Plants capture CO2. What if we could help industrial plants capture it too? Think how we could help lower emissions. It's one way ExxonMobil is helping industrial plants be more like plants. Our timeline on this Monday afternoon, the Jaguars have fired offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett. Head coach Doug Marone says, I have to do what I think is best for this football team. The Chargers announced that running back Melvin Gordon did indeed suffer an MCL sprain in his right knee on Sunday. His status apparently evaluated week to week. Hello there. We're glad to have you with us as we begin the post-Thanksgiving portion of the NFL season. Tim Hasselbeck, Ryan Clark, Adam Schefter, I'm Wendy Nix. We will start with what happened over the weekend and what a day it was for Philip Rivers, who completed 28 and 29 passes, including 25 in a row. His 96.6 completion rate, the highest single game rate in NFL history. Tom Brady had a pair of touchdown passes and a win over the Jets after he had thrown just one in his three prior games. With Pittsburgh losing, New England takes over the number two seed in the AFC. Cleveland took down Cincinnati behind four touchdown passes from number one pick Baker Mayfield. The Browns end their 25-game road losing streak, which was just one game shy of the league record. And the Seahawks won their second straight by exactly three points since 2015. Seattle has played an NFL high 19 games, where the final score margin has been by three points or fewer. And then there's the Packers, whose playoff hopes took a hit with a loss to the Vikings. Green Bay has now lost eight straight on the road, their longest streak since losing nine in a row on the road in 1978 and 79. So it's there. We'll pick up overreaction Monday, and here's what we'll start with. Aaron Rodgers done after just one Super Bowl. Adam Schefter, overreaction or no? Wendy, he just signed a five-year extension. He's 34, 35 years old. The Packers didn't sign him to that rich extension without the belief that he couldn't get them back there. Now, look, this team is disappointed. Mm -hmm. They've lost eight straight road games, which is the longest road losing streak since 1978 and 79 when David Whitehurst, or Charlie White, David Whitehurst was the Packers quarterback. That tells you how long it's been since this team has lost so many games in a row on the road. But to think that Aaron Rodgers never is going to win a Super Bowl, one in, I mean, that might be, but that's hard for me to imagine. Well, this is an overreaction for me, and the reason that you think this team is disappointing, Adam, is because they have Aaron Rodgers. And when you have Aaron Rodgers, you think it doesn't matter who else is around you. It doesn't matter that you're decimated in the secondary or that you don't have a lot of weapons on the outside or can't generate a run game. Because we think you have Aaron Rodgers. You shouldn't lose games like this with someone that talented. Do you know who won the Super Bowl the year before Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers? It was the New Orleans Saints. And it was Drew Brees. And they went through a slump and a, a time in his career right. where that team wasn't playing at a high level. And look at the New Orleans Saints now. And look at what age Drew Brees is doing and maybe playing his best ball. So to say that Aaron Rodgers won't continue to be one of the top quarterbacks and that this team can't turn, around, turn it around and get back to the Super Bowl is an overreaction. And the Packers have two first-round draft picks this year. So they're already looking to the future. They get the extra one from the draft last year. It's an overreaction for me Clean as well. Sleep here. I, th- I mean – so much can change in five years. Like, if we were to go back and look at the 2013 season right. and, like, which teams were good and who was – I mean – It's a big difference. Yeah. So, I mean, that's longer than the average career span. I mean, maybe playing <laughs> with a running back or a tight end that we've never heard of before. I mean, I just – I think that so much can change within a single season 
Two years, they, three years for sure. Five years is an eternity hmm. in the NFL. There, there, there was a day when we declared Tom Brady's career slowing down or almost over, and we see how that worked out. Uh, I will ask you this, though. Is it realistic to think the Packers will make the playoffs at this point? I mean, it's a long shot at best. I mean, they can do it. It's going to be tough. They're yeah. going to have to play flawless football. And you don't lose all your road games in a year. They're 0-6 on the road this year. And, I mean, that's hard to bounce back from. And it, they have winnable games down the stretch. You actually have to go to the Bears and play there. And, obviously, that's the team you're chasing. So, you're wondering, can you catch a Carolina Panthers team? Can you catch a Seattle Seahawks team? Or even whoever falls out of the NFC East? I just think it's going to be very difficult with the way this team is playing right now to play themselves into the playoffs. You factor in some injuries that we saw last night along that offensive line. Don't know the severity of those. But if they're banged up all along that offensive line, then no, they, they won't. Right. Well, let's take a look at the NFC playoff picture. The Saints and Rams, of course, both in very good position at 10-1. and The Bears are at the top of the North, and the Cowboys lead the East. Minnesota and Washington hold the wild card spots right now. But that race could heat up down the stretch. The Seahawks and Panthers on the outside looking in, but they're both 6-5. and Philly 5-6, and but have a very difficult schedule the rest of the way. So here's where we will continue with Overreaction Monday. Regardless of what the playoff picture ultimately <laughs> looks like, New Orleans is in the Super Bowl, Ryan Clark. <laughs> I think this is, is an overreaction, but when you watch them play football right now, it's hard not to think that this is the team to beat. The way the New Orleans Saints are playing on both sides of the ball, the efficiency in which Drew Brees is playing with, and the way that Sean Payton is calling plays, manipulating the game, getting the best matchups for this very talented offense. It's hard to see a team beating them. But when you look at the Los Angeles Rams and the chance that they have to host the NFC Championship, I think that is where this could get sketchy. You also look at having to play the Chicago Bears, who is a team that has a great defense. If the Rams can get the NFC Championship versus the Saints to not be in New Orleans, and I'm not saying that the Saints can't go to Los Angeles and win. I don't think that's a great home field advantage. I'm just saying that if you have to go into New Orleans and try to beat that team, it is almost impossible in that environment to win that game. The Rams have an opportunity down the stretch to continue winning, to have a game with the Bears in prime time, to continue winning and host playoff games. Mm-hmm. I think that's the best chance for the NFC. Yeah, their path is better, certainly, um, you know, going through New Orleans. But it's an overreaction for me just because I think there are really good teams in the NFC. I mean, just – Look, I, I think the Bears, because their defense can be so dominant, I think that's a tough team. I think the Minnesota Vikings yeah. are a yeah. really good, balanced football team. I think when you look at the Rams, they obviously have as much firepower as, as anyone. And so, you know, I just think that the competition in the NFC, whether you're playing in New Orleans or you're playing somewhere else, I just think is is tough. It's just one of those years. It's a bad year to be one of the best teams in the do NFC. You, do you think? The do you think the NFC the the NFC's top teams are better than the AFC, or do you think it's a tougher road on on the AFC side? No, I think the NFC the, on a whole. Mm-hmm. I believe the NFC teams are are the tough. I mean, listen, when you go to the, the top three teams in the AFC. You're going to say are Kansas City, New England, and Pittsburgh. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, give me you know the Saints, the Rams, the Vikings right. over those teams. Uh, to me, we're going to make it a clean sweep again, not an overreaction. It's it says the Saints will be in the Super Bowl. Literal they might be in the Super Bowl. They might be. They right. are the best team it's in hard football to say right that. now. Right. But say they will be, that they're going to beat out the Rams. I mean, look at, look at the chances to reach the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's 49%, okay? 49 is a long way from 100. 
though. And that's what we're saying, that they will be in the Super Bowl. 49 means they have a good chance to reach the Super Bowl. If they play the way they have, I think they will be in the Super Bowl. But, again, that's a lot of football that's left. Some good teams are in their way. These playoff games, they get going Strange things happen. Any, anything can happen. It was Aaron Rodgers, in fact, who said, we just got to get in. Mm-hmm. You know, we, as difficult as that road is. Once you get in, you know what? All bets are off. We've seen some crazy things happen. That was the NFC. Here is how things are shaping up in the AFC. The Chiefs were on a bye last week but still sit atop at 9-2. and two. The Patriots' win means they are the two seed. And because of the Steelers losing to Denver and Houston leads the South, as it stands, the Chargers and the Ravens hold the AFC's two wildcard spots. This is not the same kind of Patriots team we've seen, but that does not mean you should count them out. Here's what we'll say on Overreaction Monday. The Patriots' run game shaping up to be more important than Rob Gronkowski. Adam Schefter, is that an overreaction? I don't think it's an overreaction because they went into play the Jets yesterday, and the one thing that this team wanted to do was get its run game going, and it did. And if Sony Michelle is running the football that way and Rex Burkhead comes back and he's running the football and James White is coming out of the backfield, well, they've been playing without Gronkowski for a lot of the time. And when it gets cold in December and January, they want to run the football effectively. So I, I don't think it's an overreaction. It's not an overreaction to say that the Patriots' run game is more important. Gronk is great, but the Patriots this year are when they're throwing – passes to Gronk in the red zone, they've completed one of those 10 passes. They're still 8-3, so they've been able to win games without Gronk producing. If Gronk can produce, they'll be that much better off, but the run game is more important. I'm going to have to go with that's an overreaction, and the reason is the type of attention that Rob Gronkowski attracts. When you look at this game yesterday, Jamal Adams, who is probably the best extra defender that the New York Jets have, was on Gronkowski a ton in man-to-man. So now that gives opportunities for Julian Edelman. That also gives you an opportunity to run the football because he is attracting so much attention. By the way, he's a great blocker. There was a stat on on SportsCenter this morning, and it's talking about QBR. And with Gronkowski, his QBR, Tom Brady's QBR, is Drew Brees. Hmm. Without him... It's, it's Andy Dalton. So when you tell me that and you say, what's important? If I can be Drew Brees with and I'm Andy Dalton without, no disrespect to him, I think I want Rob Gronkowski on the field. Well, there is a considerable difference. That's, that, that's a fair point. Yeah, it's an overreaction for me. Listen, Gronk changes everything. He absolutely changes everything in terms of how you have to defend him because he's too big for secondary players when they isolate him. And... He's too fast and too long for linebackers that aren't used to playing in space. And quite honestly, their run game benefits significantly. You alluded to this, Ryan. Not only when you remove Gronk from the formation and you take somebody with him, but he's just a tremendous inline blocker. They will move him. He'll lead on stuff. He's actually a good blocker on the perimeter for some of the, the perimeter screen stuff that they do. Rob Gronkowski, since he's been a Patriot, I believe has been the second most important member on their roster, and when he's able to go, they're a completely different Mm -hmm. team to face. Well, they're certainly better off with Rob Gronkowski healthy and on the field. I don't think there's any debating that. Doug Marone has made an announcement, and there will be a change. He says that it will be Cody Kessler who starts this week instead of, this is just for Ryan Clark, by the way, Blake Bortles. So they're making a change at quarterback, Ryan. They should have did it in the offseason. Go ahead. Just take your time. This is just so, so, so late. 
You took a team that had pieces to be not only a playoff contender, but to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl, and you invested in Blake Bortles after you were scared to, to, to put it on his shoulders last year in the AFC Championship. I just don't know what took you so long. So now what you've done is you've wasted a year. You've gotten people fired in Nathaniel Hackett, who's the offense coordinator, and now you go to Cody Kessler, who cannot be your long-term answer. This was botched in the offseason, and now you've made this thing last a lot longer than it needed to, and you have to move on from Blake Bortles now and go out and find you a quarterback. Can you do that and continue to keep this roster intact? This was botched from the beginning, and if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars and Tom Coughlin, you made a mistake. Listen, there's been some changes today. If you missed it at the top of the show, they did choose two part ways with their offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett. So now wholesale changes, Adam. It's interesting because the Jaguars are already projected to be over the salary cap for next year. There's one of two teams that are in that position right now. And they're about six to seven million dollars over the cap. So they're going to have to make some moves to get under the cap. And clearly now one of the moves will be to move on from Blake Bortles. Now they've had other moves in mind and it's not difficult to recapture that cap space But again, this tells you that this team is going to be making a lot of changes during the season, during the offseason, and the number number one change is going to be at the quarterback position. And I think we could start trying to figure out who's going to be Jacksonville's next quarterback. Who are the candidates? If the Giants move on from Eli Manning, would he want to go down and finish his career in Jacksonville? I don't know that he would. Would they want him? Here's, the, here's why Ryan's point is, is the right point, and there's nothing you can do about it now, but the reality is this. Alex Smith, Case Keenum, mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins, yep. um, Teddy Bridgewater, all of those guys were on the move last year. All of them. All of those yep. quarterbacks were on the move and available. That's a lot of guys with you know, starting caliber play that were available that you, that you could have had that you, that you didn't get involved mm-hmm. with. And so now your options, Adam, as you're saying, you're going to turn the page. Well, who are the candidates now? Right. Like who, Those guys have teams. You're well, yeah, it's a different landscape. The same, There's no you're question. You're not going to have the same, you know. You know and when you talk about, when, 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 you see, when you hear that teams are already over the salary cap for next year, that means what they did was they pushed all their chips into the middle of the table, right? They went out and acquired all the people they thought they needed to win a Super Bowl. And then you keep Blake Bortles. And even though you have all these pieces around him or you think you have all these pieces around him, you don't have the most important piece. And honestly, the worst thing that happened to the Jaguars last year was getting to the AFC championship because it made them think they had enough. It made them think that they were just a couple of plays away from it. And then this happens, and now you're stuck having to retool and rebuild this thing. You know, we say winning cures all. It can also disguise some fatal flaws, and I think perhaps that was the case in Jacksonville. So, again, uh, Cody Kessler uh, set to start in Week 13. After starting the season 0-3, the Texans turned it around in a major way. They're staring at their eighth straight win tonight. Standing in the way, though, a Titans team that boasts the second-best scoring defense in the league. Lisa Salters is in Houston, as she is every Monday night. Lisa, an interesting situation in the AFC South. Houston can hold on to a nice two-game cushion with a win, but it's a game they will also play in honor of the man who brought the league back to Houston. 
Yeah, Wendy, like you said, Houston riding a seven-game winning streak, but head coach Bill O'Brien quick to caution, we haven't done anything yet. But if the Texans were to win tonight, it would be the longest win streak in franchise history. This team, of course, born in 1999 when Houston businessman Bob McNair brought the NFL back to the city after the Oilers left. The Texans played their inaugural season three years later in 2002. Like you said, Mr. McNair passed away on Friday after a lengthy battle with cancer. So, of course, the Texans would like nothing more than to honor him with a win tonight, especially against this opponent, once the Houston Oilers, now the Tennessee Titans. Second-year quarterback Deshaun Watson was taking a lot of hits earlier in the season, including one that resulted in a collapsed lung and broken ribs back in Week 5. And although he hasn't missed any game time, uh, Bill O'Brien admits they've adjusted the game plan in recent weeks to keep their quarterback healthy. Watson has averaged just 23 pass attempts over the last four games and has taken just eight sacks. Compare that with 25 sacks that he took over the their first six games. O'Brien said, we've got to keep Deshaun Watson out there because he's the guy that gives us hope. Wendy? That makes sense. And Lisa, in terms of the Titans, we saw quarterback Marcus Mariota leave the game last week. It was an injury to his throwing arm. What's his status? Yeah, like you said, he left last week's game against the Colts late in the first half, didn't return. Initially, the concern was that it was a re-aggravation of the right elbow injury he suffered in the season opener that caused him to miss the first meeting between these two teams back in week two. But Mariota told us last night that the injury was different this time. Instead of having numbness in just his right fingertips and hand like he experienced before, the numbness went from his right shoulder all the way down through his arm. Now, Mariota said it felt like a dead arm. Believe that. Believe it or not, uh, that was good news because it turned out to just be a stinger and not something more serious. Mariota told us last night that he feels fine now, that he was able to practice the last couple of days, and that he's having no problems at all gripping the football. It sounded sounded serious uh, to me anyway, but uh, he says he's having no problems at all. Wendy? Lisa, there's no question it sounds serious, but certainly good news for the Titans and their quarterback. Some other notes of interest from this game. The Titans defensive coordinator, Dean Pease, had to miss last week's game due to some medical issues, Adam, but I believe he's back. Is that correct? Well, he's with the team. He's with them at their hotel today, and the plan is for him to coach the defense tonight, which is good news because that was a scary situation last week. Literally before the game begins at Indianapolis against the Colts, he's taken by ambulance to a local hospital in Indianapolis for observation. Now, everything checked out okay, but at that point in time, Basically, he did not coach the game. They had to make a ton of adjustments on the fly. Fortunately, he's feeling better. He's feeling okay. And Dean Peace is feeling well enough to coach tonight. So that's good news. Uh, That is good news. What would also be good news, Ryan, I think, if if this Titans team could become a bit more consistent. They have been very good at times. We've also seen the contrary. And to string together in this stretch, they're going to need to play more consistent football. I mean, you rise and fall with your quarterback in this league. And in this case, it's Marcus Mariota. One, it's his health. You know, we were just talking about it. You heard him just say he had the dead arm. It was his shoulder. He was out early on this season. And Blaine Gabbert had to come on in relief. But when he plays well, so does this team. If you look at the Dallas Cowboy game, the New England Patriot game, where he played well, no turnovers, two touchdowns in each game, this Tennessee Titans team got rolling. But when he doesn't play well, when he can't complete passes, when he isn't protected, as we saw early on in the season against the Baltimore Ravens when they tied a sack record or had 11 sacks, you can't win football games. So keeping Marcus Mariota upright, healthy, on the field and giving him opportunities to make plays down the field is how this team can win. But when he's not out there and when he's not doing that, that's when they run into trouble. Look, Deshaun Watson's season cut short last year, the same injury Tim he had in mm-hmm. 
college. He came back, and there were some question marks early on because they start 0-3, and, and you say, oh, no, is he going to be the quarterback we saw before? Now they've won seven in a row. What have you seen from Deshaun Watson? Not holding on to the football as long, and I think that that's the key. You know, I heard Lisa talk about the sack numbers, which is 24 sacks in the first six games versus, you know, I think eight since then or something like that. Look, there's a, there's a difference when your quarterback is – is getting hit and talk about him driving the game instead of flying because of collapsed lungs. Well, look, it's because you're holding on to the football too long. Sometimes it's the quarterback's fault to just not, you know, to get, not get rid of the football, just punt it and move on. The last few weeks, they've been better at it, whether it's been, you know, more progression reads so the ball can come out quickly or whether it's you have an isolation and it's basically pick the matchup that you want like you see here. The good news for this Texans offense is that the ball is coming out in rhythm and on time. You see it gets hit there, but it's not a sack and it's on time in rhythm. You can just be more efficient offensively that way, and your quarterback's going to stay healthier that way. And so I think that's kind of what Bill O'Brien's alluding to in terms of some maybe some changes they've made offensively. Uh, Watson has also been very good outside of the pocket this year, not surprising. The sixth best QBR in the league in that situation. Geico presents Monster Counseling. Dracula, tell me how you're feeling. No one understands how lonely it is. No one will even let me into their house. I knock and I knock, but they ignore me. Uh-huh. What else? I look in the mirror and <laughs> I don't even see myself anymore. If you don't see yourself clearly, can you really expect others to? I'm having a breakthrough. It's not easy to be a vampire. But with Geico, it's super easy to switch and save hundreds on your car insurance. Uh, listen, what the Giants did not know was what to come when they started this season. I mean, it has just been uh, one thing after another. Uh, we continue with Overreaction Monday. Here's what Odell Beckham Jr. had to say about the Giants' play calling on Sunday. I don't call the plays. I just do what I'm told to do um, and, and go out there and execute. Uh, whenever I get an opportunity to do something, I try and make the most of it. If I don't have that many opportunities, all I can do is, is do what I can when I do have an opportunity. So that's more of a question for Coach. Um, you know, coming in, knowing that they struggled in, in the secondary, um, personally, I would have I loved to attack them. Um, but it, it wasn't in our game plan. So. Well, let's talk about the game plan, shall we? I'll say this. The Giants' game plan is all wrong. When I say that, Tim, do you... I think it's an overreaction. Yes, it's an overreaction. Honestly, like I, I, I'm trying to figure, come up with a word to like. This is absurd. I mean, it's it's absurd okay. to. Why? They, 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 you're not a t- trying to attack the opposing team secondary. Like they threw balls down the field. Like they, there were opportunities. In fact, they threw one right before the half that cost them points, where they're trying to get him the football. And Eli just kind of underthrows it. Also, the coverage dictated that the ball was, should, yeah, was shouldn't, have, shouldn't have gone there. Right. You have points. The notion that the Giants were not attacking the Eagles secondary, I, I'm, try, I'm trying my best not to call it stupid, but it's stupid. It's absurd. Oh. It, 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 it's stupid? ridiculous. Okay. Like, you made a valued effort. You didn't quite get there. You can say stupid. There we can say stupid. Crazy, crazy, right? can say but it's stupid crazy to think yeah. that that, that, that would be the TV. case. And so I guess part of it for me is I think we're getting to the point with Odell where like it just you're getting to the point where it's just an eye roll where it's like yeah, I agree. honestly it's just like everything is is just the absurd in terms of I guess just being critical of things that one you shouldn't be critical of and two it's just not even accurate you know but this is not an overreaction for me he was right 
They should have did something different. Like, give the ball to Saquon Barkley more. It wasn't about what Odell Beckham Jr. was able to do. Saquon Barkley was out here giving dudes the business. I mean, like he is jump every cuts, week, by the slashing, way. getting big plays. If you want to do something different in the second half, give it to him more than five times. It wasn't about trying to attack them down the field. It's that you have one of the most explosive players in the league, period. Not just at his position, but period. This guy needs to touch the ball more. And when you get it going the way he had it going in the first half, you continue to feed him. This is why you go get him second. This is your opportunity to validate drafting him number two and not getting one of these quarterbacks. He is that special, but he can't be special unless you give him the ball. And to Tim's point about Odell, he did really well until he stopped doing well. And what I mean by that, he kept saying, you know what? I don't call plays. I just have to execute. When I'm given opportunities, that's a coaching thing. And then he got into his personal feelings. Don't get into your personal feelings. Talk about those things with the team, with your coaches, and say, hey, coach, maybe we could attack this. Maybe we can try this. This is not for the media when you're already having a tough time as a team. Keep those things in house. But that's Odell Beckham, no? I mean, that's what we, it's, that's you know what what? we it's, have come to expect it's, it's, at this it's, point, it's, which is his it's goal. Kind of, it's kind of become him I this year. So. But when you look at the first four years, it was kind of outburst on the sideline, things dealing with himself. Fair. He didn't this speak season. much. Now, all of a sudden, he's coming out and airing these grievances with the coaches, and it just doesn't make anything better. Adam Schefter? I think it's an overreaction in the sense that he shouldn't be reacting in that sense in any way. He should not be calling out the game plan, the coaches, that's not his job. His job is to go out there and play well. There's no need to say anything that's going to be an indictment of the coaching staff. Even if you think it, and there are plenty of players who are thinking about their coaches, you shouldn't say it. Because when you say it, especially in that market, now the New York tabloids have fodder all week long. Yeah, I mean, even, I mean, even Jalen Ramsey, Less who's very honest about most quarterbacks, lied about his and sit in the offseason. Even he the man knew, who, who yeah, says that Odell okay. Beckham Jr. has been targeted 150 times, 115 times this year. Okay? 115. 115. He's been targeted that many. He was targeted nine times in that game against the Eagles. They are trying to get him the football all of the time. So to come and say that stuff, one, you shouldn't say it to your point, Adam. And two, it's not even accurate. Like, we, at the end of the year, when we look back at guys in terms of targets, he will be within the top seven, mm-hmm. you know, targets, you know, in terms of wide receivers in the NFL. I, I don't, what, else, what else are you looking for? I, I, I don't know what else anybody can do for you. Look, it doesn't look good, it doesn't sound good, and it doesn't help. So, you know, where's Herm? Don't press sin. In well, this well, case, well, just If you, don't, if you say. don't have anything nice to say, don't say it that, at all. Adam Schefter, that's exactly right. Fair enough. I'm so glad we don't really live in that world. <laughs> I know. You'd be in trouble, right? But listen, uh, we'll stay in the division, and I'll say this on Overreaction Monday because I think it certainly is. The, well, I am talking about the NFC East. Somebody's got to win. The Eagles will win the NFC East. Gentlemen, is this an overreaction? I think it's an overreaction because I can't believe I'm going to say this. I really like what the Dallas Cowboys are doing right now. I believe they're playing really good defense. Scott Linehan and Jason Garrett have decided that they're going to start and end with Ezekiel Elliott. And we've gotten to see what Dak Prescott can look like with the true number one in Amari Cooper. And you see some of the routes he's running. We got to see some of the big plays against the Washington Redskins. And I think that right now, this division is for the Dallas Cowboys to lose. And I believe if they continue with the same game plan, which I do believe that Jason Garrett is smart enough to do, that the Dallas Cowboys would take this 
this division and not the Philadelphia Eagles. What a difference a few weeks makes, huh? Yeah, it's an overreaction for me. I agree recently. with that. I agree with Ryan on this. I mean, I just – I think when you – when you look at this division, if you say, okay, well, yeah, they're jumbled in here pretty close, but who's the team like I'm seeing them improve at this point in the season that I feel like over these next five weeks they're going to play better? Mm-hmm. I, I, th- I agree with you. I think it would be Dallas. I mean, right. when you look at Dallas, like their offense is coming alive. Their defense has yes. been very good. When you look at Philadelphia, it seems like each and every week it's somebody else injured on the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Offensively, you know, they maybe have it figured out at running back, but they've been playing a different combination of backs, it seems like, the whole season. Um, you know, I think they're trying to find their way with their receivers and how they all fit together. So, yeah, I, I just don't see this ascending team mm-hmm. in Philadelphia. Let me say this. The Eagles play the Redskins one week from tonight on Monday Night Football. They win that game. They play the Dallas Cowboys the next week. If they win that game, two ifs, yep. they are in first place. Okay, and they're coming off a victory where nothing has gone right this season. Now, saying all that, I still think it's an overreaction. <laughs> I say that they will win. But well the played. NF- they, they might win. They, they uh, might win the NFC. Uh, they are in position. They are in position. They are in position to win the NFC East. They are in a spot that I think that they're fortunate to be in considering how poorly oh, they played be. this season. Yeah. Yeah. But to say that they will win the NFC East is an overreaction just because you cannot be that authoritative on a team that has been that inconsistent this season. So you're saying there's a chance. There's a chance. There's a, chance. There's a legitimate chance they're going to win. And there is. But there, it doesn't mean that they will win it. That's right, Adam, which is why it's overreaction Monday. Now to the Ravens. Let's talk quarterback, shall we? Uh, Lamar Jackson started the last two for Baltimore. They've won both. Lamar Jackson will start the rest of the season, Tim Hasselbeck. An overreaction for me. He's done a very good job uh, in his two starts. Really, even in the limited play they were giving him prior to starting. I think there's obviously a lot of room for improvement in Mm -hmm. terms of the passing. And I think the other aspect of it is late in that game against Oakland, he looks like he pulls his hamstring, tells yeah. the sideline, yeah. I can't run. So <laughs> I, if he can't run. He shouldn't play. Then he's not <laughs> play. Like some quarterbacks would be like, hey, I got bad hammy. I'm not going to scream. Like that's really what he's done well. And, I, you know, let's wait for the injury report to come out and see his participation. But. He looked hurt at the end of that game. Well, listen, to that end, his 190 rushing yards the last two weeks, the most by any quarterback in his first two starts in the Super Bowl era. So to to your point, it has been a huge part of what he does. Yeah, I believe it's an overreaction as well, but I do believe he has given Joe Flacco the opportunity to heal. I do believe that he's also earned the opportunity to get more playing time and do some different things within this offense that I don't believe he was doing before Joe Flacco went out. What he's allowed them to do, and even if he's, if he's, he's hurt now, it's a little bit different. But if he's healthy enough to go this week, you can make sure Joe Flacco is at 100% and ready to go. You have the Falcons coming up. You have the Chiefs coming up. Two teams that I think, at least offensively, Lamar Jackson could play well against. But he's earned the right to play more. He's earned the right to get more snaps in different situations. And I believe Coach Harbaugh 
in speaking after the game saying he's not going to give his his opponents an opportunity to prepare for whatever quarterback that he's starting is smart. These guys are so in different. In this case, they're so right. different. Yeah, That's these right. guys are so different. Make the next team, make the Atlanta Falcons try to figure out how to defend. As a defender, you hate it practicing against two different teams in one week. There are times when that's lip service from a head coach when there's not all that much difference, but this is apples and oranges in terms of quarterbacks. Adam, is that an overreaction for you? Look, their next two games uh, are at Atlanta and at Kansas City. Mm -hmm. Do you want a rookie quarterback leading into those games, or do you want a veteran quarterback? Now, again, to your point, if he's healthy, I think they might give him the chance Mm -hmm. to play those games. But I don't know that he's fully healthy Mm -hmm. right now. And if he's not fully healthy, then you have to go back to the veteran. And so, on that basis alone, I think it's an overreaction to say that Lamar Jackson will start the rest of the season. I I can't believe that a Super Bowl-winning quarterback, even if he's not played great this year, his reign in Baltimore will just be over. Just like It's just hard for me to imagine it coming to an end like that. But, look, Lamar Jackson's played well enough to continue to play and to be out there and to get another opportunity, especially if he's healthy. But I don't know that he's healthy right now. Well, that's a question with both quarterbacks. The hip with Joe Flacco, of course, the hamstring or potential hamstring with Lamar Jackson. Here is what Coach Harbaugh had to say. This from Jamison Hensley. With Joe Flacco close to coming back, John Harbaugh was asked if he believes the notion that a player shouldn't lose his job to injury, and to which he replied, so we're going to go back to junior high school cliches. Uh, Harbaugh said, we'll do what gives us the best chance to win, period. End of conversation. (laughs) Finito. Done. (laughs) Uh, There has been a change at the quarterback uh, spot in Jacksonville. Uh, Doug Marone making the announcement just a few minutes ago, actually, that it will be quarterback Cody Kessler who will start Sunday against the Indianapolis Colts. The Jags host Indy, and Blake Bortles will back up Cody Kessler. Yeah, this is obviously some big changes in Jacksonville. I know Ryan's got some strong feelings in this, which he can touch on in a moment. <laughs> but, again, they, they've changed out their offensive coordinator, fired Nathaniel Hackett. They said that Scott Milinovic is going to be the play caller starting on Sunday. Cody Kessler takes over as the starting quarterback, and that tells you that there will be more changes coming to the offensive side of the football in Jacksonville this offseason. No, absolutely. I think this signifies the end of this run of offense, at least uh, for Doug Marone, Tom Coughlin, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, you know, Tim spoke to it. It was probably overdue. And they had an opportunity with all of those quarterbacks that he named in the offseason. And now I just feel like you just set your team back. You put your your team in a very difficult position, an organization in a difficult position, when you had gone out and assembled pieces that could help this team be very successful. Well, some of those names, of course, Kirk Cousins. Case Keenum, Alex Smith. Listen, I'll give you another one following the conversation we just had. You know who was linked to the Jaguars leading up to the draft? Lamar Jackson. There you go. The, the, dra- the draft, that was just free agency. Then there's the draft, of course, yeah, as well. And so, and so I, it's like you look at it and you think, I don't think there was anybody that watched that team last year that didn't feel like that – the way they were playing on defense, how they were running the football, honestly, the way the receivers were playing. Anyone that watched it knew that the quarterback was the, the big wild card, the thing holding them back. And so I just don't know why you don't solve the problem when you have a chance to yeah. solve it. Well, and, and I think for me, among the more cogent points made today was Ryan's in that getting as far as they did last season – perhaps hurt them in their decision-making and their preparation. Yeah, and think about if you're Nathaniel Hackett, who was fired today, go back to and look at 
that New England Jacksonville game in, uh, in the in the playoffs last year. Like to be honest with you, in like in some ways it was brilliant. Yeah, you know, the and things just that to get them there. Yeah, yeah, and how 100%. they played and the plan in that game and some of the the different run stuff with the screen stuff they had. All they actually were really creative and did a good job. Nathaniel Hackett is now fired because the quarterback just he he played poorly. I mean, I think he's had three different offensive coordinators, Blake Bortles, and they still owe him six and a half million guaranteed money on his $14 million salary next year. So they're on the books for him next year, even for redoing that contract this past offseason. And he'll be asking you a question. Let me ask you who else wanted him? In all seriousness, who else would have signed him? What kind of money would you be competing with to sign him? I, to me, it makes no sense what they did a year ago. It makes no sense. Who was the competition to sign if, him? If he had gotten who, out there, if he had gotten out there, we weren't hearing his name talked about the way you were hearing Kirk Cousins and Case Keenum and Teddy Bridgewater. And I don't know. Listen, Teddy didn't have he, a landing spot. Teddy, right, Teddy right. signed a one-year backup with the Jets deal. and got traded to New Orleans because he had nothing because – Denver took Case Keenum. Right. Minnesota took Cousins. So where think, was Blake Slanton's spot? I, like, to me, I, I guess, you look at Jacksonville, you're like, what were you doing? They probably were just scared. Yourself. They were probably scared that somebody was going to say he was the third overall pick of the drafts and, draft and they thought he was going to be Ben Roethlisberger and he has all this talent and Which we happens. can fix him. And, and that, that does that happen. Absolutely you have happens. to you, when, when you're drafted there, you have to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that you stink. <laughs> you know, it is they, almost. They, they signed him to that extension very early in the offseason. And so, the market, I'm, I, you may be right. There may not have been a single team interested in him, but we don't know that. We didn't find never that got because that it never got to the point where he was in that circle of conversation. I, again, you may be exactly right. There may be in, as much interest where do you think in Blake Bortles. So I mean, look at the league. He's so mad, just find the, No, no, I'm being honest. Like, look at the league and just find, find the landing spot. Like, it shouldn't be that difficult. Like, listen, with Cousins, you could say, well, hey, listen, the Jets might be an option. Denver right. might be an option. Minnesota might. Like, they, you knew that were, right away. Yeah, because you, everyone used to think that the Niners were the landing spot. It's like, well, that wasn't the landing spot because Jimmy Garoppolo ended up there. It's not hard to look at 32 teams, figure out, like, what their quarterback situation is, what their needs are, who the people that are that are making decisions there, and if that guy that might become available would even fit in any of those places. Like it, it, so, I, if you're Jacksonville, I don't know who who that team Spilt was. Spilt milk, my friend. Spilt milk. No <laughs> sense crying over it now. It's Cody Kessler's turn. Unless, of course, you're Jaguars fans. Meanwhile, can we all just get along? Emotions ran high on Sunday. The Bills and the Jags, and yes, the fight broke out on the sideline between Jags running back Leonard Fournette and the Bills' Shaq Lawson. A brawl, by the way, that resulted in two ejections, and it nearly continued into the tunnel as the two were brilliantly escorted off the field <laughs> through the same path. Here's an idea. Let's don't do that, Adam Schefter, as we say hello from the Domino's headquarters. Uh, are we likely to see further discipline, Adam, from the league? Well, when the league is going to reinforce the notion of don't do that, and it will do it in the form of fines issued later this week to the players involved. The question now is whether the league would take additional disciplinary steps after Shaq Lawson and Leonard Fournette both were thrown out of the game and then met again in the tunnel. The league is fortunate that this didn't spill over into the stands as close as to the stands as the players were. You saw Shaq Lawson had to be restrained there in the tunnel. And again, I think that there'll be definite fines that come out of this, and we'll see whether any additional discipline does as well. My guess is that the ejections from Sunday suffice, but we'll see from the league soon enough. 
Again, the Domino's pregame HQ. Schefter, let's go through some injury reports, if you will. Let's start with that. Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton sprained his thumb yesterday, and the initial x-rays were negative. He's continuing to undergo evaluation to determine whether or not he can play Sunday against the Denver Broncos. If he cannot play, then Jeff Driscoll would be called upon again to replace Dalton in the starting lineup for the Cincinnati Bengals. But Dalton has had thumb injuries in the past. We'll see whether or not he can get through this current version of this thumb injury. As for the Chicago Bears and their quarterback, Mitchell Trubisky, who sat out Thanksgiving Day due to a shoulder injury, he's hopeful that he'll be able to play on Sunday at New York against the Giants, but does not know yet that whether he can do that. If he can't play, Chase Daniel would obviously get the turn again. He led the Bears to a Thanksgiving Day victory. Trubisky will try to come back this week, but there are no assurances he will. And if he misses this game, it would be just this game. As for the Chargers and their running back, Melvin Gordon, he suffered a sprain MCL. The Chargers are calling it week to week, but MCLs are tough to bounce back from right away. I think we don't see Gordon for a couple of weeks minimum here, and then they'll evaluate that without him. Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson will be called upon to get involved in the Chargers offense. And I should also note today that the Detroit Lions placed wide receiver Marvin Jones on IR. The Denver Broncos placed their tight end Jeff Hireman on IR. And the Jacksonville Jaguars replaced their high-priced guard Andrew Norwell on IR. More season-ending injuries, Wendy. Shefty, it is that time of the year as we make the home stretch here. Phillip Rivers, meanwhile, has had a very under-the-radar season. He's thrown multiple touchdown passes in all 11 games this season. He's just the fourth quarterback to throw at least TDs in each of his team's first 11 games of a season. He joins Aaron Rodgers in 2011, Peyton Manning in 2004, and Johnny Unitas in 1959. This is notable because all three of those quarterbacks went on to win the NFL's MVP award as we say hello from the film room brought to you by Verizon. Listen, is Philip Rivers our MVP or does he deserve this? Is that an overreaction? It's, it's, it's an overreaction and this is one of those hard questions where it sounds like you have to talk bad about why, a guy. Why do you hate who, Rivers? Who, right, right. right who, who doesn't At deserve it. Ryan Clark. <laughs> Philip Rivers has been amazing this year. It's a huge reason why this team is 8-3. The only problem is the year that those guys won the MVP, you didn't have Drew Brees with 25 touchdowns and only one interception. You didn't have Patrick Mahomes starting off the season at a record pace and now sitting at 37 touchdowns. It's just very difficult when those are the two guys that you're going up against. And oh, by the way, those guys' teams are also having excellent years. It's just very difficult, but Phillip Rivers deserves to now be in that conversation. He's in the conversation, perhaps an over overstatement to say he's the one he and only. Deserves it, right, and that's why it's an overreaction for me. 100% in the conversation. But to Ryan's point, it's not just about the amazing year that one guy, in this case, Philip Rivers, is having. It's the fact that, you know, all these other quarterbacks are kind of blowing numbers <laughs> that we're right. used to seeing out of the water as well. And so, yeah, it's great that, you know, when you look at this statistical, you know, kind of... Um, you know, things that guys have done in the past that are comparable Come to what Harrison's, I, think right. the word. I was looking for. Thank yes, you very you much. Yes, you got it. I'm here for that, you. Appreciate your help. And Anytime. The reality <laughs> is that compare all those other guys. Compare what Drew Brees has done. Compare. Yeah. Uh, it's just crazy, What man. Pat Mahomes has done. It, it is crazy. And so because of that, I don't think Philip well, will win it. Look, it is true. We sort of set things, things, these things up to where you think you have to say something negative. That's not the case. We're just talking about the very, very best. You know, I mean, he's still Absolutely. in the mix and having a, a remarkable season. 
Our Week 12 Monday night matchup, a big one in the AFC South. It's the first place Texans. They've won seven in a row. They'll take on the Titans, 8-15 Eastern, 5-15 Pacific. Our coverage begins with Monday night countdown at 6 o'clock Eastern. That game coming up shortly, but right now it's time to hit the red carpet with Ryan Clark. It is the first time back since my injury. Yes. Since Head Adam injury. put me on injured reserve. And, and protocol. We're all fixed up. Protocol. And you know what, guys? I was so excited. I was like, you know what? We're going to do the coach's edition. But before okay. I got there, Listen, I had Where segment be without Camden? And that is why we're doing yeah. it. Listen, I'm more interested in this because a good colleague of mine, a very intelligent former quarterback named Tim Hasselbeck, always talks about Cam Newton's costumes. Yep. This one is Sherlock Holmes. And <laughs> listen, and I like to call it Sherlock Homey. Check him out, man. So we got the we got the coat on, the coat is fired. Beautiful black. I bet it's some type of material I cannot even afford. Great collar, right? You love it when the collar just lays straight down. The vest, the black tie to match, the glasses, right? It's the glasses to let you know I'm looking for you. I'm looking at you. And a beautiful hat to add to the ensemble. What I love about the hat, Tim, here's what I like about the hat. That it doesn't just go matchy-matchy with it, right? You give a different color to the hat. You add something different to it because he is truly Sherlock Holmes. You know what he's looking for with those glasses? You You said he's looking for something? You know what he's looking for? A win. A win. And it it eluded him on Sunday. Right? So from this guy with the hat to this guy with the hat. I know it's a tough year in Green Bay. I understand that oh, Mike McCarthy okay. having some oh, trouble wow. right. calling some plays. But look at my guy. It's not the Cam Newton hat, but it's still the cool Kango broom. You know what I'm yeah. saying? A little cool Modi, a little like old school. I love it. Oh, yeah. A little yeah, old too. school LL Cool J. He went simple, right? He went with the solid color. Color. You know why? He's a Super Bowl champion, mm-hmm. right? He doesn't have to be flashy. He doesn't have to show you that he has money because we already know. And He's then also he went, a Guy. So, like, you know, the he's not, and he's not skinny. Okay. And so, and, and then he went with the gold tie. You know why? Because he grew up a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Yeah. He just wanted to represent, and he represented well. Now, on to the next coach. This guy coached a great game, and I bet you're wondering why would I use Vaughn Miller as a coach? Can we play the sound, please? Are you channeling Bill Belichick? Um, on to Cincinnati. Cincinnati. And you know what? I know they say that, you know, imitation is the greatest form of flattery. And we are imitating Bill Belichick. So he got to be a part of the coaches section. Look at the sweatshirt. Look at the hoodie. You know that's what it's about. But you didn't see the subtle change here. Rude. What is Bill Belichick? He's stinking rude. He's rude to the media. He's rude to everybody that he doesn't like and all the people that he doesn't want to talk to. And Vaughn Miller did a perfect job, even down to the scowl. And this is Coach's Edition. I'm glad to be back. And guess what, guys? It's on to Cincinnati. What happened to that whole being, you know, we have to be nice and we don't have anything nice to say? Yeah, exactly. I thought it was very complimentary. I thought it was very nice. I don't know. Can you say something nice about Bill Belichick then? Before he wins a lot of championships. There you go. I knew you were going with that. Sherlock that's Holmes what looked sharp. Sure. I thought Sherlock Holmes First was very all, sharp. Sherlock Holmes, yeah. my favorite line of the season. <laughs> I love it. And he was, in fact, looking for that elusive win. Well, don't sleep on Baker Mayfield. The Browns quarterback completed 19 of 26 passes, 258 yards, and four touchdowns. 
and a big win over the Bengals. He led his team to 28 first-half points. That's the team's highest first-half scoring total since 1991. And it does, his play anyway, justify John Dorsey's decision to part ways with Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley. Mayfield has completed 74% of his passes in the three games since those two were fired with nine touchdowns, just one interception. His 88 QBR since week nine, the third highest in the league behind two pretty good quarterbacks, Drew Brees and Andrew Luck. I don't know. Left Cleveland goes down to Cincinnati. I don't know. It's just somebody that was in our locker room asking for us to play for him and then goes to a different team. We play twice a year. Everybody can have their spin on it, but that's how I feel. No, I mean, it's just like any rivalry game. That's just how it is now. That's how I'm going to treat it every time we play them. But it's it's nothing, you know, there's no hate. That's just how it is. That's how I'm going to treat it. And I think that's how our team should treat it, too. This was in response to a question about his uh, Baker Mayfield's choice to not to speak a whole lot with, with uh, Hugh Jackson after this game. I'll say this on our reaction Monday. Baker Mayfield's criticism of his former head coach was warranted, Adam Schefter. I don't think that's an overreaction at all. I mean, basically... He feels bad this guy went and changed teams in the division so close. Now, Hugh Jackson did what he had to do to take care of himself. But basically, Baker Mayfield, no, he's allowed to feel that way. Hold on a second. I I need to jump. Hugh Jackson didn't leave. They fired him. Yeah. He's allowed to do what he he wants. He was fired. It wasn't his choice to leave. It was like it wasn't like... He had a choice to be a Cleveland Brown <laughs> and a Bengal, right, and he so didn't he have the choice. Right. He didn't have the choice. Like I, uh, just and he said, and he said it's a team that they play every year. The Big Twelve, Texas Tech's in the Big Twelve, right? Yeah, Oklahoma is in the Big Twelve, yeah, right? Pretty sure. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure the dude that's talking about Hugh Jackson switching Ooh, teams, switch point. teams, right? Well, yeah, the, well, the difference is he did, did they cut They didn't cut him off the team or say you couldn't play for Texas Tech anymore. You just chose to go to a better place, and that's okay. You're allowed to do that. As Hugh Jackson is allowed to go coach and have a job anywhere else he can possibly get one after only winning three games Which in three years because he was fired. I just – listen, I, I think this is a, a sign of immaturity. Yeah, I, I understand feeling – some type of way about it, but I think in, in addressing it the way he did is wrong. If you don't want to talk to him and hug him yeah. and shake his hand, and if you don't like fine. him as a coach, absolutely gone, whatever. Sure. Right. But the switching teams thing is one of the dumbest well, things I've ever heard. I right. say, clearly, a guy hasn't been around pro football very long. <laughs> no, it, it's it's I think young. I mean, he, he can feel that way. Sure, he can feel absolutely. any way he wants, but it just it sounded a little young to me. But yeah, there you I'm go. Problem. Uh, he left. He, no, he didn't, no leave. He, didn't, he didn't leave. He didn't get a parade out of town. He was forced to leave. <laughs> they took his they key card. They him They took yes. the key card, all right? Todd Bowles says he's not sure if quarterback Sam Darnold will practice on Wednesday. This from Rich Cimini, our Jets reporter, says Josh McCown's right thumb is fine and should not keep him out of practice. The Jets coming off a loss to the Patriots. Here now, sounds of Week 12. So I'm Cincinnati now. First of all, I, I thought he was going to leap him. He almost did. Hand off to Chris Carson. He breaks through. He tries to leap well. He's still on his feet. Are oh you God. kidding me? He did a 360 in the air. Holy catfish. I see my mom. She went crazy about it. She said, I need to stay on the ground. Give her a heart attack. I give him a 9 out of 10. Oh, yeah. You know my skills. On to Cincinnati. They said I couldn't throw the ball deep. We got one. It was a holding call, but 
on the Cincinnati. I would like to see what he thought now after after playing the way John played today. Next question. Oh, his next, morning, question. next question. Did you happen to see Demarius Randall go over to Jackson and hand him the ball after his interception? I did not. Oh, jeez. <laughs> if somebody would have said this was was, was, was going to happen, you know, I would have slapped him. We all have to figure out. On the Cincinnati. Chad told me to smile. Where did you go? Just to the tunnel and back, almost failed. Uh, don't run up those things with cleats on and concrete. A little bit, little bit of. Oh, <laughs> it's like one of those dying fish you throw in the bank and you walk, walk by them a couple hours later and they still got a couple gulps left. The ball is spotted. The kick is away. And the kick is. You know, we were supposed to, it was supposed to be the lightest guy on the field, so Diggs was supposed to be up there. Uh, but uh, Delvin really wanted to do it, so I, I jumped up. All right, on to Cincinnati. We're on to Monday Night Football. We've got the Titans and the Texans. Remember, Houston started 0-3. They've turned it around, won seven in a row. They can win eight tonight. What are you watching? It's going to be an emotional scene there with the passing of Bob McNair on Friday, and I think that this Texans team will look to draw inspiration for that, pay to honor that man's memory. He meant a lot to that organization. The Titans get back their defensive coordinator, as you mentioned earlier, Dean Piso. Dean Beast comes back, and... The Texans get an emotional boost here on Monday night, I think. No question. The man who brought the NFL back to Houston. A big question tonight all the way around will be health. Marcus mm-hmm. Mariota, Tim, says he'll be fine, but what will you watch for with the Titans quarterback tonight? Well, I just think how accurate he is throwing the football. I mean, he's had the, you know, the elbow injury mm-hmm. earlier this year, now a stinger. And you know, most quarterbacks aren't playing through stingers. Absolutely. You know, other positions seem to play through that type of thing. And so just can he accurately throw the football, I think, is going to be the, the key for that offense. Yeah, for me, it's about can this Texans team continue to win games? With the Colts coming up and winning the way that they are, Andrew Luck playing how he is, can these two teams get a win tonight and stay in that race or if you're the Texans, stay up on the Colts? How far we've come since you are driving to a game because you can't fly because <laughs> right. you have a collapsed lung or a problem with your lung. It's kind of crazy. It still, still seems mm-hmm. nuts. Let's pick this one. I think it's a bit of a defensive battle tonight. I like oh, the Houston do. Texans 17-13. to 13. We don't see that much okay. anymore, don't do we? Especially hey. coming off the of last week's Monday 17 night game, right? to 13, right? Yes. Yes. Last week, I changed my score because I had to. And I was right, by the way. You I was were, way yeah. closer yeah. than everybody else. Yeah, you were. But I'm going what with the Texans. I went 44-40. I can't believe I wasn't oh, here when I changed the score. I went 44-40 because I knew they yeah. weren't going to just score 24-20. I'm impressed. Never once has he changed his But I had to go back to my score, and we were back. With the Houston Texans winning 24 to 20 at home. I'm not sure I'm buying the defensive battle. Really? No, no, it's an offensive league these days. I think Deshaun Watson is healthy, he plays well, and this is an inspired Wendy, team. Wendy, all you tonight. did was add uh, three to one of mine and subtract three from the other. Your score. I know. And every time we're unanimous. Every no time we're all wrong. Oh, so means. good news, Titans fans, and you're welcome. No Titans. Uh, do not forget. Is never wrong. But yeah, <laughs> Monday night countdown at six o'clock Eastern. Russell Wilson judge the show. Right now, though, high noon is next.